When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, Jonathan and Ruth is here. Just wanted to remind everybody to vote in the 2010 Geekscape Awards. All of the details are up on the website. You can vote for best co-host, best movie, best video game. It's really up to you guys. So go to the Geekscape website. Voting ends at midnight on December 31st, Pacific Standard Time. So get the votes in. Tell us what you loved in 2010, both on Geekscape and in the Geekscape. And uh, we'll tally all the votes and let you guys know what you thought in a 2011 episode. What do you think of that, Rufus? Should they vote for you? Enjoy the episode. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to episode 192 of Geekscape. If you've been listening from the beginning, this is like our fourth anniversary of Geekscape. We started this show in December of 2006, well 1996, I shouldn't even be here anymore. But in 2006 on Christmas we gave you guys a fresh episode um, thank you guys if you've been with us uh, since then. If this is your first Geekscape, we're going to talk movies, video games, and comic books. Uh, my name is Jonathan London. I'm joined every week by a special guest, and we pretty much cover the latest reviews and news. And I try and get a guest who is informative about movies, video games, comic books, or all three. It's Geekscape. We're just going to talk. Um, my guest this week is Ahmed Best. He's an actor. Hello. And hey, Ahmed. Welcome to the couch. Welcome thank to the couch. You. Grew up in New York City. Um, what was your formative training as an actor? Like you started out. I actually started out really young, um, doing plays around New York, and mm-hmm. you know, of course, in every high school thing, every junior high school thing. And then um, once I got out of school, uh, I moved back to New York, and I went to Manhattan School of Music. Mm-hmm. And all the while, while I was going to Manhattan School of Music, I would do a play here and play there um, in, in various off-Broadway settings in New York City. And then um, once I left Manhattan School, I auditioned for Stomp. And mm. I got Stomp, and I was in Stomp for off and on for about 10 years. And Stomp uh, was huge. Stomp was an entire... Stomp it is, still a, is. It's a movement, Stomp. Yeah. You know? There's movement in the movement. It, it doesn't end. And it's such a great show because people can cycle in cycle out mm-hmm. in the show still retain because the, the sound and the music is the star of it well, yeah i mean i've never seen stomp but it, it, <clears throat> i mean it's basically you're watching this just this phenomenon of sound happening yeah right? it's it's pretty much a a journey in in sonic communication uh-huh. really you know you're really learning how to communicate to one another through objects that you would use every day but, i mean the trash turns into music lids yeah. is what we know yeah. you know what i mean yeah i mean they've kind of coined a phrase nowadays and they call it found object percussion but stomp is a little bit more than that you know stomp is really more about the communication through the found art and percussion rather than just playing on garbage cans who thought of that? Two guys <laughs> from um, Brighton, England, uh-huh. uh, Luke Cresswell and Steve McNicholas, they came up with the idea because they were like street performers. Like they dropped something? You know, they were street performers. Yeah. Okay, so they, they worked with what, and you still see that in the New York subway. Like you still yeah, see it in the New York exactly, subway, exactly. people doing that. Yeah. yeah, they had a band called Pookie Snackenberger, which was kind of a... Why didn't uh, that get big? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Maybe people couldn't say Pookie Snackenberger. <laughs> But it was kind of a band where it was like a hodgepodge of different instruments. And they would get on the street and play bongos and violins and stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't catching on until one day Luke brought out 
uh, a trash bin. And then a bunch of people that they knew who were percussionists came along and then they carved a show out of it. Um, and then it became you got stop. And they have a new show now called Pandemonium, which is more like an orchestra, uh-huh. but it's found objects turned into orchestral instruments. So you got strings in there and everything. That's strings crazy. and horns and, and, and of course percussion, but it's the same kind of thing. Glass, um, uh, glasses, like wine glasses. You know how people play wine glasses and they use um, different types of, of metals and plastics to make marimbas and xylophones. You gonna get in on that? Um, you know, do they, like an they, alumni they thing? do it. I would love to, but they do it so infrequently that I, I yeah. Just yeah. don't know when I could, you know. Any vuvuzelas? Uh, the, the couple vuvuzelas. Yes. Are you serious? The B, is that the B thing from the World Cup? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> couple vuvuzelas. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then we 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 know you. The geeks know you as, as the person who played Jar Jar Binks in yes. the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was that process like? Because here you are doing like theater in New York, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're going to go from theater to the biggest blockbuster franchise in the history of film and that must yeah. have been like it was kind what? of strange it's like you're abducted by aliens like all of a sudden your I life was. just goes Phew. yeah it was nuts i was doing stomp in san francisco mm-hmm. and uh, robin gerland who cast in star wars the mm-hmm. first three first two mm-hmm. um she happened to be at the show that night and she was like i want you to audition so oh, okay what was that like? I mean, it was a bit surreal, you yeah, because she was like, oh, "Come up to Skywalker Ranch and audition." Mm-hmm. You had to sign all sorts of forms and stuff. Like yeah, that. it was yeah. very much very NDA, very you know, couldn't yeah. let anybody. But everybody was so incredibly friendly when mm-hmm. I got there. You know, they must I mean? have been so excited. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't excited, know if they were excited as, well, as, as I was. The geeks were because we're all sitting here going, "I mean, were you a geek going into it?" And you were just like, "Of course." You were just losing it. You were like, "Oh my god!" I, 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 what's yeah, happening? I, you know, there's a lot of it about. A lot of it was me trying to get a job. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I didn't want to mess it up. For sure. But, um, yeah, I was blown away by it. By the time my third audition came around, I was um, at Industrial Lights and Magic, and that's the first time I met George. And um, when he walked in, I was like, okay, this shit is real. Wow. You know, it got it got really real at that point. Did so. you know when you started the audition process that you were auditioning for a digital character? No, no idea. Um, they didn't let me know anything really. I didn't know. I really didn't know anything until I had gotten the job, and they flew me to London for costume fittings. That's when they gave me pictures of the character and told me what was going to happen, and told me that it was something that had never been done before. That Did you bummed to try that your face wasn't no. going to be the film. <laughs> like, I mean, like, like you weren't bummed that they were going to like cover you up or anything like that. Or I mean, as a, as a theater actor though, you must have think that your training put you in a position where you well, could... it was it was it was. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the process of it, mm-hmm. and I think any actor, regardless of medium, the reason why you become an actor not only is for the loud of the audience, but yeah. the process. Like, you really enjoy the process. And, you know, my father is a cinematographer, and I remember being on, like, independent sets growing up in New York, and the thing that really uh, excited me about being on those sets was seeing the process Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed all the things kind of coming together and happening and the fact that george trusted me with this thing that was going to be brown groundbreaking kind of took away it wasn't like you've been in a film it wasn't like i mean i mean it's a big it was a big responsibility for me you know what i mean and i was just trying not to mess it up if anything like an actor with an ego might have been like wait you're gonna cover me in a cgi like i'm a i'm a star like why would you yeah this isn't a pixar movie like yeah you know i had no film credits really no ego before and and 
I was happy to be there. And you know, I'm a kid from the South Bronx. Right. All of a sudden, I'm in Star Wars. So it's crazy. there's nothing to be upset about. Now, what do you think? And then we'll start talking about like Tron and all this because I think it, it, Tron Legacy is the movie that we're reviewing this week. I went to see it yesterday, and and I think it it, it works because as much as people slam on the on the prequels, right? The thing with it is the Jar Jar character. Everybody gave so much credit to Gollum. Yeah. When Gollum came out, they were like, "Oh my God, Gollum, Gollum!" But that stuff that you guys were doing in the prequels, yeah, five years earlier, six years earlier, seven years earlier, mm-hmm. your character was. The precursor of Gollum and the technology was there. And yeah. then you see Avatar. Oh my God, Avatar is so amazing. But yeah. Like as much as people hate on the Jar Jar Binks, and we'll talk about like your like how much you want to probably beat up thirteen year olds. Uh, like I, the thirteen year olds like it. They actually like. Oh, they me. like you. Mine. You you, you, want, you, you want to beat up like the people like my age who are like, why did you leave this to us? <laughs> you took my childhood and knifed it all. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you've got. Um, but I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due, and this Jar Jar thing was the precursor to a lot of this. Yeah, you know, Jar Jar is kind of the grandfather of all of those characters, and you know, Gollum got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, where's your Oscar? I mean, that's the shit right there. It's like, where's? Come on, wake up out there! <laughs> wake up out there! I know there's like one or two Academy members who watch this. Like, where's the Jar Jar? And they're like, oh, that movie was too long. Oh, but we didn't know who the protagonist was. Do you? Okay. If anything, with the Jar Jar thing, nobody knows what you look like. Yeah, um, that's a blessing and a curse. Right. At the same time, I mean, I appreciated uh, being in it. I appreciated mm-hmm. the work I did. And it's funny, I saw George last week, um, and he started. We, we started talking about this. This is kind of the first time we talked about it. In 10 really. years. Yeah, because he was kind of taken aback by the criticism of it as well, and because that, that, that was never my problem with the movie. My problem with the movie was always it was longer. I'm in this movie, People vs. George Lucas. Have you heard about this movie? It's mm-hmm. a documentary. And they interviewed for me, me for it. And when you see the movie, there are people who are just irate and violent and this and that. But you see my, my pieces, and I'm like, well, that, it's never, that was never the issue. The issue is, you people are obsessed with something, and once you start like, like, stop liking it, you're still obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. If you stop liking it, stop. You know? I don't like running a cheese grater on my face, which is what I say in the movie, but I stopped running a cheese grater on my face. Like, like, if it's something you don't like, put it away and stop. And it may have meant something to you, but you were in an abusive relationship, and you're the cause. <laughs> like, it's your fault. Mm. You know? Well, it means a lot to people, and I understand how much it means to people. And, but, you know, it's George's movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he does what he wants to do with it. If you want... A movie to be like the way you want it. Go you have it. to make your own yeah. movie. I mean, there's no other way around it. And I mean, you know, things came out. The Phantom Edit was a big deal on mm-hmm. on. Did um, you watch? Do you watch that stuff, or does that just make you nuts? I know about it. Right. I, I don't. I don't watch a lot of it, but I know about it, and I understand it. And I'm not bothered by it at all. Right. You know, I mean, I, I'm. I don't. I don't really have an ego about it. As an actor, it's a job. You have to do, and you do your best. And I said this to George last week. It was like, look, people might not have liked it, but I was proud of the work that I did. You know what I mean? You're I, an actor who really trusts your director. Yeah, and, and, and it sounds like you got a bit, you got to, to, to put a little bit of it into the role. Yeah, and you know, he reciprocated. It was like, it was great, and you did a great job. And I was like, that's all I really need, mm-hmm. honestly. You know, all I really need to know is that for the director, because it's it's a director's medium. It's his mm-hmm. vision. You know what I mean? And he's the writer and the executive producer. So he's the guy. And if I did a good job for him, then 
that's all right. This, you know, the fans can bother them. You hear, you hear that? Do you hear that, you people? Do you get like tense whenever you're walking down the street and there's like an overweight, like 35 year old guy in like a like a Green Lantern shirt coming towards you? Do you, no. do you ever go like, oh man, he's gonna start shit with me? No, very little makes me tense. Okay. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna come on Geekscape, and this loser filming this podcast for losers in his office he's gonna come at me with knives and then and he's gonna be like why didn't why didn't anakin even show up in the first 30 minutes of the movie and i don't have answers for him he's just who are these people don't you understand the star wars hate is an internet thing they're not gonna do it to anybody's face you know it's it's lucky that you didn't piss off like jocks or like, or like, or like, or like Manson fans, like like Charles Manson fans, or like Does crazy he have people. Fans, Charles, dude, Charles. Jonathan. Yeah, he got people who like wrote him letters in jail and stuff like yeah. that. Like, like, like you're you're lucky you pissed. You know, if, if you pissed them off, I, it's not something you do. You pissed off the most passive, yeah. aggressive people. They're not gonna start shit with you. No. You know what I mean? Well, actually, you. Walton, did, tackle. I have a quick. See? Um, <laughs> so Clone Wars has come yes. out. Uh-huh. And a lot of people have kind of what is warmed that? to Jar Jar. The, yeah, the, the, ca- the cartoon. cartoon. Right. The cartoon. People have warmed to Jar Jar in that environment. Yeah. Do you think that show kind of vindicates Do you do Jar the voice Jar on that? Do you yes, do, you I do, do Jar Jar on Clone Wars now. I did. In the first yeah. season, I didn't. And You're then like, oh, just fans, let me sit from it. Fans ironically got a bit upset at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like these same jerks who yeah, were like, it was kind of nuts. You ruined our movie. Yeah, it was kind of nuts because when Jar Jar showed up and it wasn't me, um... I started getting a lot of, of letters about it, like, where are you? You mm-hmm. know, the fans want you as Jar Jar. And I was like, who the... You must have felt good. What happened? And what then happened um, kill me? Lucasfilm calls me and goes, we need you back. As, and I was like, what, what? look, I thought you guys were done with this guy. You know, I thought you were done with this character. And, and even if you aren't, are you serious? Like, you really want me to come back and do this thing? Like, <laughs> I'll do it. All right. And they're like, okay, good. And apparently, you know, it's been very positive but to answer your question i think um jar jar works in an animation medium he's an animated character and there are certain things that people couldn't accept at the time you know people couldn't accept this crazy very slapstick very comic character in this extremely serious idea Religious, almost of a context. The slapstick had never mm-hmm. been in the Star Wars. But the, right. but the dro- none of the droids. I mean, a little bit of that's the droids, but they're falling off of platforms and they're going. They're, they're, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think people were upset at that, but the fact that Jar Jar was a main character in right. this movie, that he was in every you know scene, I think that was more annoying to the people who wanted Jedi's in every scene which, and which, lightsabers which in every scene. Which I think is really scene. the problem. I mean, the, to me, listen, like. The, the discrepancy between the originals and this and that is, is really what I think most geeks are really upset about. This thing where it's like, and, and, and I do a stand-up joke about it. It's like, what did, what did Chewie and Han talk about? Because Han is somebody who's not convinced the Force exists in Episode 4, but Chewie's someone who had Yoda on his back. Yeah. Like, in a, like, like where's the discrepancy there? And it made me think that Han really doesn't know what the fuck Chewie's saying. And maybe they just have like a communication breakdown, and that's why Han's just like, this one goes there, that one goes there. Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you're saying, Chewie. I'm glad I rescued you from slavers, but the next time you growl, I have no idea what you're saying. And, and isn't I don't Chewie admit it. like really old? He's like a couple yeah, hundred years that. old. If you yeah, think. Yeah, he's old too. He's real old. Chewie must be so frustrated. Yeah, and then you have Han yelling at him has no on idea top what of the millennial. What are you doing? I'm trying to get us out of here. And Chewie's like, I'm the smartest guy in this movie. Chewie's like, like I'm, knows a, what I'm, saying. I'm a Wookiee. I'm an engineer. I'm an old dude. Why do I have I've to? I told you a million times, Han, that the Force exists. I was on the Battle of Kashik. I had Yoda on my back. The Force exists, and you won't listen to me. 
it's going to take this old man and this 18-year-old kid to tell you. And the thing, too, about Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Why are they always on Tatooine? It's nice weather. Right? Well, think about it. Luke says Tatooine is the place furthest from the center of the universe. Like, if there's a bright spot in the universe, this is the place furthest, furthest from. from. It's yeah. like if Walton and I were like, hey, man, let's go party in Hollywood. And somehow we kept waking up in, like, the middle of Inland Empire the next morning. We're like, how do we keep ending out about here? This is the middle of nowhere. Like, but every movie. What are we doing in Rancho Cucamonga? What are we doing in Rancho Cucamonga? It just I, sounds I, good to say. I Rancho th- Cucamonga. I, I think the geeks are like more upset with like those discrepancies than they have any right to be upset well, with. Well, you know, Jar Jar was a is... lightning rod for their frustration. And, and, yeah. and um, that's, they're able to express the, the, discrepancies and their frustration with the movie through that guy. And you, you're Regardless of whether or not... Yeah, I mean, come on. You're so well-adjusted. You're so well-adjusted. <laughs> I'm from the Bronx. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do to you, me? Like, no, you can't do shit to me. Nobody's trying to cut me. <laughs> right? you you're talking to me about an animated character I played in a movie. Like, <laughs> my, I have friends in jail. <laughs> you, you, you guys do understand, as you're yelling at Ahmed... The first 18 years of his life was literally the movie The Warriors. Like, there, there ain't shit. You have to put Coke bottles on your glass, on your fingers, and come at him right? for him to be even phased. What are you going to do? I it's like how you're totally uh, putting mean, him in the when, 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 when people are asking you, like, first off, like, I love like, The Warriors. By what's the one? It's, it's phenomenal. It's Walter Warriors. Hill. I, I love Walter, Walter Hill. Movies. Yeah, Walter awesome. Hill is the man. Um, What's the worst thing you read? The one that you were just like, you know what, I kind of do want to fight this guy. Did you um, want to fight anybody? I did want to fight one guy, but it wasn't from anything that I read. It was, we were doing the junkets after episode one, and a guy from the, I'm not a big New York Post right. reader. It's a rag. Yeah, it's yeah. a rag magazine, yeah. and those guys aren't too smart. Right. And, um, do you remember after 9-11? Yeah, that front uh, page uh, that still sticks with me. They're just disgusting. Right, they're just disgusting. It's so not some journalism. Dude in, some dude, who some dude from the, the New York Post in 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 a very like gleeful, really ready to fight antagonistic <laughs> way was like, "Is Jar Jar gay?" And I was like, "Why? You looking for a date?" <laughs> and he was like, "Oh," and then the next day he writes in the Post all of this, you know, salacious, mm-hmm. um, ridiculous, just. His own homophobia right. just came right out. Luke in the paper. kissed his sister, and you're worrying about whether or not a Star Wars character is gay. Hey, hey, like, maybe Gungans a, uh, are asexual. Yeah, how do you know Gungans aren't like Louis Gossett Jr. in Enemy Mine and can just make their right, own babies? Right, exactly. But what do you know about the Gungans? Actually, I'm now right. Like, I want to see right? name Jamish. Against... You know what? We should do like an is Enemy Mine. Oh, it is Jamish. Jamish is the baby. Jamish, Jamish. He goes, thou witch. Thou witch. Thou witch. <laughs> I just want a panel at Comic-Con where it's Louis Agassi Jr. and Ahmed Best. Oh my you know god, that'd be a dream. That'd be a dream of mine. You know what, Lucas should just remake like Enemy Mine with like somebody crash landing, like a nerd, right? A nerd who hates Gungans for what they did to his nerd religion. Crash and a nerd camp. crash lands on a planet with, with Jar Jar right. and must learn to coexist, maybe learn to appreciate you. Oh, it can be right? uh, Gungans the Grand Caravan. Yeah. Right, what do you <laughs> think of that? Oh, it's like the Ewok thing? Yeah. Is that like the Ewok movie? Yeah. It's just... You, the, the the hate's in the wrong place. You know what I mean? Like like guys, it's a movie. And yeah. let me tell you, nobody cared about Star Wars more than this person you're seeing on the left side of the couch. Like literally, Ahmed, I found myself, and I told Walton this, and I was almost in tears earlier this week because I was thinking about you coming on the couch, and I was thinking about what Star Wars meant to me. And literally, the last gift my brother gave me before guys, it's hard for me to to say before my brother was killed. The last gift he ever gave me was a red lightsaber from Empire Strikes Back, and mm-hmm. this was in, this was in '96. 
And a month later, he was dead. The wow. last conversation I had to him, to his face, he, I mean, th- this was important to us. Yeah. And I can understand people's frustrations and anger and stuff like that. And, and I pursue directing because of this, mm-hmm. you know, because I see Star Wars and hope and stuff like that. And it's like, at the end of the day, you're going to get angry about something that gave you so much. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's unwarranted. It's, I mean, it's unwarranted. That's it, the word. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I was honestly. Literally almost, I was literally almost crying yeah, I felt at you. the gym. And it, it's intense. Yeah, no, it's know? big because it, it means so much, so much. I mean, ju- I have to tell you, episode four was the first movie I ever saw in my life. And I remember going to the theater. I remember being there. I remember showing up late because of some craziness. You know, I, my father was always habitually late. <laughs> I'm directing. But, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And, and yeah. so um, it meant a lot to me as well. It means a lot to be a part of it, you know? And at first... You know, I, it was funny when we were on set. Liam, we were talking about inside the that actors' must have blown studio. Your mind, seeing actors like that. Yeah, and you know, Liam and I did a lot of scenes together, and and we, you know, became very very strong friends. And you know, Liam, we were talking about inside the actors' studio, and he was talking about how he would never go on that show. And I was like, well, why won't you go on? He was like, because I really don't want people to know what goes on behind the curtain. Yeah, it's a bit of a magic I like that. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I like the fact that it's enigmatic. I like the fact that you have to be a part of it in order to understand it. But when you're watching the movie, you're just seeing the finished product. You're just seeing the movie, and you're taken by that. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me because when I watch Phantom Menace, I know what's behind the curtain. So some of the... Uh, fantasy behind it it's diminished a right. little bit you know what I mean because I can I, I understand the problems that occur however on a technical standpoint me being a filmmaker me being an actor me being writer director producer so so on and so forth I can appreciate the work that George has done regardless of what anybody says about him to him whatever He's a craftsman. He's good at what he does, and it's and it's mm. his challenges are way more challenging than a lot of filmmakers' challenges, and he gets through. But he but he but he takes the, He's the guy who initiates those challenges. Is what people don't appreciate. Yeah, you know I mean, he's I mean? a risk taker. Like, it, it's his choice. And one one of the things that I, that one of the things that hurt me with this whole Star Wars thing was watching George. I want to see the, I want to see his flying plane movie. I want to see him do uh, more stories. You yeah, I mean? well, he's got Red Tails Red coming Tails, out. that's the one. That's the one. Uh, the Tuskegee Airmen story. You gotta be in that. No, I'm, I'm not, not saying in that. I'm not saying that because you're black or anything like that, but like... No, I'm not in that. I mean, I we gotta put you in more movies. Please. Write my buddy, Geekscape. Write Because he's... I mean, first off, two things you need to do. Write directors and say, put Ahmed in a movie. The other thing is, this uh, this writer over at the Post, Geek Jihad, I'm putting it out. I'm putting it out. <laughs> it's a Geek I'm putting it out. It's a Geek Hod. Geek right? Out. Find him. I know G- we got. G- I know we. You know, you know who's gonna kill him? G- uh, don't kill him. Don't we kill him. have a Please don't kill him. Scare him. In on, New York, um, Frank. Oh. Frank, who got the Geekscape tattoo and oh. sends me pictures in front of an arsenal of weapons, wearing his Geekscape shirt. He's in Long Island. He can find this guy. But don't, 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 Frank. Don't do it. This is Jonathan asking you. Please don't do it. Yeah, be, please don't be do passive, it. Passive, not Oh, oh, well, oh. Hold on, hold on. Gilmore has gotten into the ceiling. Okay. He's in the walls. Guys, sorry about that technical difficulty. Uh, Gilmore is now being f- flogged somewhere. Uh, guys, so Ahmed Best, we want to see more of him as an actor. 
And mm-hmm. uh, and my buddy Ari said that he does instant films here in LA with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you used to do those instant films. I can't do yeah. those. Those twenty four forty eight hour films. It's deep, but it's a it's a good exercise. You uh-huh. know, you, it's that which is pretty much you know what you do it for. You do it for the challenge of right. it. You're not gonna make a career out of doing twenty four hour movies. <laughs> and it's too fun. stressful. They're fun. Yeah, yeah they're super stressful. Though. Yeah, it's it's all about the fun. You Our know? buddy uh, Ben Dunn does Dom, them with Dom like Dom Zook. Dom Zuck. Like they they've done them here. They did uh, Chick Fight. Uh, this it was funny, but uh, whenever you guys see an NPCs episode that Geekscape does for Machinima, those are basically forty-hour films. Um, that's why you've only seen two of them. Yeah, they're um, really, really hard to do. They're stressful because you're writing, you're shooting, you're cutting, and, and some people are scoring. Scoring. They had some had animation in. Uh, I mean, they're actually getting a lot. When I first did it, it, they were horrible. Yeah, you know, it was just like a guy with a camcorder just praying that. The, the thing would turn on. Now they're getting so good, like, with, like you the can't digital, believe the, with the meat, the tools yeah. are crazy. You can't. I mean, people are using green screen, and I mean, you can't believe that what you can do in 24 hours with enough, you know, if I was Red a, Bull and coffee. If I was an executive at a studio and I saw 24-hour film or 48-hour film, I would talk to that director because. You know how under budget. Well, he's, resor- how, he's a resourceful individual. I mean, you know? and, and unfortunately, you know they did. There was it was almost a television show to tell you the truth. Really? They almost did a TV show where Project you Greenlight. About, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Project Greenlight in twenty four hours. Yeah. True. Yeah. Um, but they were in talks with a bunch of networks to do a television show, and the problem is, um, and it's the, and it's kind of the problem with people going to movies now is um, the the movie making is not appreciated. You yeah. know. It's very easy, and because of the internet, it's very easy to put out your opinion what's good and what's not good. And unfortunately, the people who um, run the studios don't really have a handle on the the comments that are coming out mm-hmm. on the internet. They don't really know how to weed through what's good and what's not good in order to right. make better movies. They'll they'll say like, oh, it didn't get enough Facebook hits, or right. it didn't get enough YouTube. It's hits. A bit of a numbers game. Yeah. yeah, they don't really understand like. Who's hitting it and why? You know it's they the don't understand versus the quality. Right. Yeah. So in, in order for people to respect the idea of making films in twenty four hours, the process has to be respected. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in Hollywood, the process is not respected as much as it would be outside somewhere right. else by the by the people who run the town. The people who run the town want to see results, and they don't really care how yeah. long it takes. Yeah, I mean. I went to see this uh, movie Tron Legacy that just came out. It's got uh, who, who's in this movie? I mean, you Olivia know Jeff Bridges Wilde. is in it. Olivia Wilde. Jeff Bridges, of course. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Who's the kid? Who He's the kid from Four Brothers. Remember that movie yeah. Four Brothers with yeah. Mark Wahlberg and my boy Tyrese? Yeah. That I like that Tyrese. movie. Tyrese. Just a small side note: Four Brothers is a well-made film. Every now and then, John really Singleton like will come out with a film that I like. Yeah. Yeah. Four Brothers is all right. John Singleton is every other film is going to be good. It's like yeah. he. Every third film. Every third film. He I perpetually think. has a sophomore slump. Uh, you didn't like Shaft? Uh, I hated Shaft. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> a huge fan of the original yeah. Shaft. And yeah, me too. And I don't well, want that's to see Richard John Shaft yeah. facing off against a slimy Christian Bale racist guy. Yeah, it's like, get, yeah, but yeah and the question was, challenge. who was the villain in that movie? Was yeah. it Jeff Wright or was it Chris Bale? Like, and, and, and I would love it. I mean, both those actors are great. Jeffrey Wright is somebody who's so underused. He was great in that movie. Crazy. He had an incredible cast. It's just, okay. it needed a better script. I would have loved to have seen, I would have loved to have seen his shaft go up against the mob. Yeah. And the mob played by the people that were the villains. Yeah. Right. Jeff uh, Wright is going to be on Clooney's new show on HBO, I think. I didn't know, I don't know, I don't know about George Clooney's show. Yeah, Clooney has a, a new series coming up on uh, HBO. It's some political, 
you know, craziness. And Jeff Wright's going to be a regular on that one. Well, this movie, Tron, is like the movie that the geeks are all excited for. You know, at Comic-Con, it was a big thing. I actually went to the Tron Legacy party there at the Flynn's Arcade at yeah, Comic-Con. Yeah, huge over there. And, uh, and I got to tell you, I go to see the movie. Laura's looking forward to it because, um, you know, she remembers it. And we all remember it as kids, right? And I go to see this movie, and basically it's got Sam Flynn's son, mm-hmm. right? Or Sam, Sam is the son. And his father's disappeared. You flash forward, and this kid is... In charge of this company that he doesn't really care about, he wants the software to be given out for free. And they received this mysterious page from his father, and his father's been missing for uh, you know almost 20 years. He goes to investigate at the arcade. He gets zapped into this new Tron world, where the creation that his father had made is running rampant. And that's the digital bridges that everybody's talking about. The digital younger Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend did all the de-aging on that. The de-aging. I mean, yeah. he is. I mean, people are kind of critical about it. They're like, oh, it looks fake. It looks great. Like, let's get one thing straight. The digital Jeff Bridges looks awesome. Uh, the Tron world looks awesome. But uh, the problem I had with the movie is that it just never felt like it had any urgency to it. Does that make sense? Like, there is a goal in the movie. You've got to escape from this Tron world and stop an invasion from this Tron, this evil Jeff Bridges. To it, he has to find his father, of course. He has to find his father who's been missing for 20 years. And he does find him. It's the older Jeff Bridges, who's more zen-like and pacifist. Um, and He's the dude. He's kind of the dude. He does dude things, but then you watch the original Tron, and he's saying things like, hey, man, and like kind of doing... It's Jeff Bridges, right? <laughs> in, in, in the movie, the performances are good. The visuals are good. I never got that sense of like pace and urgency. There's literally a, a, a portion of the movie where they're trying to... Um, Get to the portal to get back to Earth and stop these bad guys from from get, beating them to it, and they're like, "Hey, have you ever hopped the train?" There's a line in the movie. It's like, "Hey, son, I'm starting to get a little more reckless and unzen-like to try and stop these bad guys. Let's have some fun like you do, like you, you know, my reckless son who rides around on a motorcycle." And he's like, "Do you ever hop the train?" And I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fun. It's like gonna be a, a train hop scene. The train's going like this. It's a really slow." And you see the original movie and the, the CGI like ships are all going slow through the sky and things like that. And I just wanted to see a little bit more exhilaration in a movie like this. You know what I mean? A little more urgency, a little bit more like some like there's a threat. And it just kind of felt like it happened. And it stinks because I was looking forward to it. And you were looking forward to it. Did you see the movie, Walton? I have actually paused on going to see it until I can go see it in 2D. In 2D? Yeah. Because I saw it in 3D. And let me tell you, technically the movie's great. But you know my problem with it. Why, why 2D? Uh, Bibiani, who writes for our site, wrote yeah. a review for Crave Online. And Bibiani and I share I a very common opinion about 3D film. Uh, it's a gimmick. Studios are using it to get a lot more money. Ahmed's about mm-hmm. to be in 3D. Mm-hmm. You going to say that to his face? Next year. What movie? You going to call him a gimmick? Episode 1 is... They're doing all 3D. the episodes again. And I probably won't go see it. Uh, you gonna say that to his face? It came out. It came out in two D first, so I'm in fight him. It's, it's not you a can, slight you against can, him. You can see the fact that you know why they're doing it in three D. Well, I mean, I, and I've seen the film. And yeah, you've seen it in two D. There are certain it. scenes I'd love to see in three D. I have to say this though about um, that final the first Duncan trilogy. Battle. The reason why I think three D is gonna work and why Blu Ray is gonna work was because those first three films were the first ever shot completely digital. Right. Episode one wasn't, but two and three were. So, 
I remember David Tattersall having, David Tattersall was the DP. Mm -hmm. He had to degrade the image because the digital was so crystal clear that people wouldn't buy it. And they did that in post? Yeah, they had okay. to do it in post. So, so the original, so the original footage is, is still awesome. And it's all digital and it's all crystal clear. And episode one is pretty much an animated movie if you really think about it. You know I mean? There's, there's a lot. When, when we were on the set, a quarter of the set was actually built, and then the rest is CGI. So It does meet the standard. I actually looked this up because I knew you were going to be on the show. Uh, episode 1 meets the standard for the animated uh, Academy Award. Now. Is that right? Yeah. It does. It's, an anima huh. it's pretty much an animated movie. It's why Cats and Dogs, it. the new Cats and Dogs, was eligible for an animated Oscar. It's because a certain percentage of the film hmm. actually qualifies. Yogi Bear didn't qualify as an animated film, and they put it up for that. Not many that that the qualified as a film. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Yogi Bear, so I can't talk. But I did see that fake ending that's going around on the internet the, where the Boo Boo shoots Yogi. Yeah, I heard that. You see, it's funny. It's, it's I showed it to boat. I showed it to Laura, and she goes, "That's a little too much for me. Like it's pretty brutal." Um, but again, like talking about Tron Legacy, I just wanted to see. Uh, I mean, it kind of has the pace of the original. So if you guys want a faithful sequel, this is a faithful sequel because if you watch the original. It is a, a slowly paced film, you know what I mean? Um, and I just didn't feel like, and maybe the fault is what it is. It's being in a digital universe, a lot of digital elements. I never felt like anybody was in any danger. Does that well, make sense? It's still a Disney film. It's still a, a movie. Disney wants as broad of an audience as possible. And they're going to get it. And they this want gonna families to come to Tron. Mm. I mean, I can imagine... If they made it too fast-paced, if they made it too complicated, they would lose some family dollars. That's what that's the review I read about. I haven't really? seen the film yet uh, either, but I heard uh, the reviews that I've read and the spoilers that I read about it. It's a kids' movie. They're really trying to get the original came out when the eighties, some eighty-two, eighty-two. Yeah. I remember the original. I saw the original, and I was young enough to be impressed by it to want to go see the sequel. And right. I think that's kind of what they're doing. They're making a movie that. 10 year olds and 12 year olds could like because their father was in, so their when father, they're yeah. 30 right. they can make Tron super legacy that'll right, be in like exactly. their living room that, you'll be like in the you'll actually be, be holographic it'll be holograms yeah um, it'll be Jaws coming out of the movie theater <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of uh, like uh, you know effects movie and big blockbusters in, in Disney John Favreau is not doing the directing for Iron out Man 3 Iron Man, he's boy. kind of stepped back from Iron Man 3 I mean yeah. we know he's got the Magic Kingdom we know he's got Cowboys and Aliens coming out which looks um, good. It looks really a lot of fun, and Harrison, and I'm I'm all for Harrison being Harrison too. Like like it sounds like he's gonna kick butt in this movie. I'm I'm really excited for Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, that line where it's like I want him. You're just like nobody else could give that cheesy little yeah. line, and we'd be, all be okay. We'll with be it. like, you go get him, Harrison. You <laughs> go get give him to him. Yeah. <laughs> give give him give him to him. <laughs> Where's my family? <laughs> I get off my plane. Like that that Harrison is best. And here we go with this Iron Man three. We have an article up on the site if you guys go where William Bibiani is giving suggestions for who could step in and do a good job on the Did Iron Man three you're stuff. Not on the list. Well, I come on, man. The guy who did Gay by Don is going to be on the list. No. You you've heard my approach to like a Marvel film or like if somebody gave me a superhero movie, right? Like I don't. Yeah, Frank I, Castle. Yeah, I don't want an Iron Man. I want I, I want something. That's, Punisher. Yeah, I want something that's no, broken. His, where, yeah. his movie is Frank Castle. Yeah, my movie's not called The Punisher. It's called Frank Castle. It's yeah. it's a it, it's a it's a it's very gritty. It's a not very it's much, not a nice movie. Yeah, and but it's the truest uh, adaptation I've ever heard. It's somebody who imagine this. It's like I saying mean, 
Matt Murdock. As a director, because you're a director, I right? I would watch that. And I would watch that. As a director. And after they as, ruined Daredevil. As a director, that's think about where it. they have to go. As a, well, I want Ben Affleck to, do, to direct Daredevil, because I love his directing. Uh, Ahmed, as a, as a director, think about it. Like, somebody's going to be like, oh, here's Gremlins, or here's Critters. Like, it, you could basically do anything with Critters, and nobody would care. Right. And it would give it the room to really be something. Right. With Gremlins, man, that's a tough call, and you've been through this kind of tough call. You've got to walk a weird line. Call it the dark Of other why. people's subjectives and stuff like Like, all these people's opinions and... I don't want that as a director. I don't want to make. Right. This. I, he says I, the, yeah. dark the dark walk. Dark walk. Dark could be good. Dude, if, if the Spike, dark. like Spike or whatever, never gets water on him or um, eats after midnight. If he never eats after midnight, there's just a good Mogwai and the dark Mogwai who won't no. become a gremlin himself. We can write this right now. No, let's let's write this right now. What about this? What if there's a rule we never knew about that could that could do like a kryptonite thing and turn a Mogwai evil? Oh, oh, like oh, red yeah. kryptonite. Yeah, like, like red kryptonite. What, what do you think of that? Give, what happens ah. if you give Gizmo okay. uh, marijuana? Okay, third act. Okay, third act. Um, Billy has to sacrifice Gizmo. I'm writing it, don't worry. Um, <laughs> so, so, go on the site and Merry see, Christmas, see they, Merry, Merry Christmas. He has to sacrifice Gizmo. <laughs> Billy, has to, Billy and him jump into a magma pool at the end. Oh, this is the last Boiling episode before magma. Christmas. I just... It's not. It's not the last episode no, before last the episode end of the year. Yeah. Gonna see before Christmas. yeah. Yeah. Hope you guys have a good Christmas. Yeah. We just killed the Mogwai. Uh, I can't segue like this, but Blake well, Edwards still... died. Oh, that's a bad segue. I can't do that. Um, Blake Edwards, the director of uh, the Pink Panther original Pink Panthers with um, with Sellers, Peter Sellers. Like you know, we all love those original Pink Panthers. The director. Uh, has passed away and our Julie own Julie Andrews husband Julie Andrews husband our, our own uh, Brian Walton over here has written like a really nice eulogy piece on the site to Blake Edwards and Blake Edwards like to me I was like I oh, did some comedy directing but to you you wrote this piece and you were like man he's the reason like I'm a geek he is but it's not so much I love Blake Edwards um, I my family had basic cable growing right. up and we had HBO uh, didn't have a computer, but we, yeah, we had, talked about that we last had week. HBO. Didn't have a fancy and, computer. Uh, a lot of the films that HBO showed were were like the they would churn out um, a lot of the Blake Edward films like SOB mm-hmm. and Ten and oh yeah, uh, you watched Ten as a kid oh, a yeah. lot, didn't Bo you? Derek. With Bo Ooh. Derek on slow mo. That Girls was your, that was your puberty. Cornrows, bring that back. <laughs> I don't think um, they've stopped. <laughs> I don't think they've stopped. Depends on what neighborhood you're yeah. in. Why well, gotta be like that, bro? I'm rolling in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> you are. Um, so late. Let's be this. <laughs> but uh, for me, that was the the uh, Blake Edwards I knew. I yeah. hadn't been exposed to Peter Sellers' Blake yeah. Edwards yet. I hadn't seen The Party. I hadn't seen the Pink Panther movies. I, had, I knew about Breakfast at Tiffany's, but I'm like 12 at this time. Right. And... One night, my parents actually rented the movie Switch mm-hmm. with Ellen Barkin, where... Uh, good movie. Yeah, it, 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 it is a good movie. Ellen um, Barkin. We got halfway... Jimmy Smits. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Smits plays... i never seen it. The Love Interest. It. It's, it's a very solid film. It's very complicated. It deals with a lot of issues in 1991 that people were shy from dealing really? with. Like lesbianism, uh, the idea of what is homosexuality. What about Tootsie? I thought Tootsie dealt with it. I'm kidding. What is homosexuality? It's like, what are you talking about, you moron? (laughs) It's a transvestite. That was Victor Victoria. (laughs) Get it straight. Which was Blake Edwards. Yes. 
Like another Holy great shit. Blake Edwards. I need to just IMDb him and just go right, have Andrews. IMDb in the Netflix. And um, oh, definitely you should see Sob okay. if you haven't okay. seen it. Okay. Uh, it's a satire he made about all the shit he went through dealing with Paramount uh-huh. when making Darling Lily, and it's it's a very very good con- condemnation of policies that still exist in Hollywood, huh. uh, where directors get their films taken away by studios and just get fucked with. Um, but with Switch, my parents brought it home, and I, I talk about it in the eulogy. Uh, my parents just. Halfway through, after uh, Ellen Barkin had, had taken over, she's playing a guy who dies and having womanizer. Life. He's like a yeah, womanizer. He's a womanizer. And he's put in the body of a woman? And he's put in yes. the body of a woman because oh, wow. God wants to teach him a right. lesson. Like, right. you're a shithead. He never did anything too awful not to get in, but Here's you, a final need, test. To, you yeah. need to learn a lesson. And so Ellen Barkin is doing a very funny job walking around playing a complete shithead male that's cool and it's fun um but my parents turned it off halfway through because they got to the lesbian scene where ellen barkin is a guy and 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 her internal monologue is like this is okay i'm I'm a guy i can and 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 having a real conflict with whether or not uh (laughs) tulip can hear me no i can can understand why why your parents turned it off my parents turned it off and to me, I was just sitting there thinking, as a twelve-year-old kid, I was like, "This isn't. I don't. I don't understand why you turned it off. I don't. I don't get it." My parents exposed me to a lot of movies that, like, as a as a twelve-year-old, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect. Tulip is doing. My dog is at the door, uh, breathing heavily. She wants to come in here and play with us, but we're doing Geekscape. <laughs> and you just said Vader. She's making like a Vader sound. Um, and but, I gotta see the switch. But I gotta really, see it really yeah. quickly. Read what I wrote, but it's basically Good. I came to the realization that my parents had shitty taste. <laughs> my, my parents turned off a perfectly good movie. I didn't even get to. And see And you were the rest adjusted. Like the film was good. You were adjusted for the scene. You, yeah, you, you knew it, what was going on. You. It, I two didn't girls actually. Are hot. I yeah. didn't get to see it completely for like another four years. I, I finally finished mm-hmm. it when I was like seventeen. Uh, but I, it always stuck in the back of my mind. I'm like. My parents just turned off a very good movie, and I realized at that point I couldn't trust other people's opinions. Yeah. I had yeah. to watch stuff on my own, Man. and it was at that this point article, I, actually, deep. I actually started discovering other movies because I, I started ignoring my parents. I had never seen The Simpsons up until that point because my parents thought Bart Simpson was a bad influence, and that's now considered like We're having good a thing right family now. TV. And my parents had blocked it, and I finally got to see that when I was, like, 13. I, I ignored my parents' like banishment of that show. And I'm like, this is really good. I don't get it. Why? And eventually that led to me having an opinion. And it made me a geek. It, I probably wouldn't love half the movies I love if I had listened to my parents and never seen them. And there are so many movies, like, I wouldn't have seen Goodfellas. I wouldn't have seen The Godfather. I wouldn't have seen what we consider classic movies. And you're just looking at me like... This is, this is a this session. Is, this is a psychological session. Now. No, this no, is it's good. I've dealt it's with. good. But, you guys, he's off camera crying. But <laughs> it's just, Blake Edwards is not like a personal hero. I don't look at his films and go, these are my favorite movies. Right. But Blake Edwards made a decent movie. It's me. It's 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 not the greatest movie I'll ever, but it. it's a solid, good yeah. movie. He made a movie that at that point in time awoke you. Yeah, that made me realize 
I don't have to have the same opinion as my parents. Yeah, I mean, you could have turned you into a Menendez brother, from is what I'm hearing. Like, now, that's your <laughs> No, I love out. my parents. I, I Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love my parents. <laughs> I think the deal behind Blake Edwards and the reason why he's such a treasure in the in the movie industry and why he told such great stories is because he really used the film medium in a way that was able to speak to what you're saying, able to make a, a social comment and able to bring to light these ideas um, without hitting you over the head with a mm-hmm. sledgehammer. I mean, He's if a you think about the polygamy pig- movie with Dudley Moore. Uh, Arthur? He, no, kidding, no, no. I'm kidding. He, he did a movie where Dudley Moore had two wives. I mean, Blake Edwards talked about... Yeah, I mean, even if you think about the Pink Panther movies, I mean, Inspector Clouseau, being an inspector is, is a pretty high rank in France mm-hmm. when you're a police officer. And this guy's a bumbling idiot. But then he <laughs> falls into right. solutions, you know. And it's kind of his comment on, you know, law enforcement saying, look, it's not perfect. And sometimes you fall into a, a great decision. You know, sometimes it's not all proper planning. Sometimes you have to deal with an idiot. And sometimes that's what it takes to engage an audience. Like, you make a movie that is about something. It doesn't have to be about a million things. It just has to be about something that resonates. Yeah. And that, that's one thing that I've, I've noticed this week with his passing was, wow, he resonated with so many people. Yeah. And he gave Peter Sellers a platform to show Peter Sellers genius. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter Sellers was such an amazing comic actor not a very nice person I heard but um, Blake Edwards allowed Peter Sellers to be the best Peter Sellers he could be I mean if it wasn't for those Pink Panther movies I don't think we'd know or the party I don't think we'd know the the genius of Peter Sellers I mean Peter Sellers is probably among the Buster Keatons and the Charlie Chaplins when you're talking about film, film comedy you know what I mean? I mean, he was one of those guys. I mean, Kubrick would use them. I mean, you've exactly. got... Exactly. I mean, but those Pink Panther movies really um, made Peter Sellers iconic. Mm-hmm. I always liked that Blake Edwards didn't necessarily push the envelope, but he always was kind of sneaking in Something what he to could set. get away right. with. Yeah, he made you think. Yeah. He made you think without using a sledgehammer. He used exactly. a scalpel, you know? Um, guys, speaking of sledgehammers, this Fast and the Furious 5. Yeah, man. We're going to segue to this. Uh, there's a trailer for Fast and the Furious 5 that we put up on the website. Awesome. Fast and the Furious 5. Like, guys. The Fast 5. It's called Fast 5. Fast 5. Uh, and, because uh, I called the last one Fast and the furious It was Fast and but Furious. But it, fast, it was fast, fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. This is Fast 5. And then we have the trailer on the site. And I got to tell you, like, I go see all these movies opening weekend. I'll tell you that right now. Like, these movies, I don't got anything against them, man. They're a lot of fun. And this one adds The Rock. And we yeah. just saw that, that Faster movie. Ugh. I know. The Faster movie wasn't that good. Billy Bob. But we, we told you guys about it. And we're Dwayne. adding... Now I'm going to picture... <laughs> I'm going to picture that Fast Wait. Five is like a crossover film. And that'll, like, that'll speak to the geek in me. That like the character from Faster is now in Fast Five. Is against the, like, I think it's like a Faster, Fast and Furious crossover. That's how I'm going to treat this movie. <laughs> and I'm going to be so giddy watching this. Because you know they jump through windows. They got to jump through windows in a Fast and Furious movie, and they got to get in cars. And I guess The Rock is hunting these these criminals who are the Fast and Furious gang. I'm into nice. it. I'm into it. I like that they've uh, gone back through the franchise Fight. and just brought everybody back. Ludacris is back. Ludacris. Tyrese is back. It starts from the baby. It starts uh, from the baby. Tyrese, he's been here. He's uh, been on the Geekscape. 
Uh, and it's going to be great. I really, like, not great as in let's give it an Oscar, but it's going to be for two hours, I'm not going to think about my shitty job and my shitty apartment. No, what it's good to ask? watch fast cars and shit blown up and people <laughs> punching each other in the face. Like, it's really good guy shit. It's cathartic. You know? You know? I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> like you have, we haven't even seen the fifth right? one. We can't wait for the sixth. They're gonna call mean? it like say fast six times. No, no, the sexy speedy bunch. And I'll tell you something. When I went through film school, people were like besmirching Rob Cohen, who did the first one. Like they were like Rob Cohen, this and that. I was like, I dude, like dude, Rob Cohen. I like Triple X. I like Triple X. I like Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Yeah, me too. I like the I am the last dragon. Actually, I like that movie he did with Dennis Quaid and the dragon, like Dragonheart. Dragonheart. Dragonheart like like yeah. Rob Cohen, man, like. You, He's a very, I, I wouldn't let anybody in film school make fun of Rob Cohen. They all wanted to go off yeah. and be P.T. Anderson. And they all wanted to go off and do like Wes Anderson. I was like, you know what? If I have a career like Rob Cohen, I'm, I'm more like, excited about bringing Fast up. Five than like Sucker Punch. Right, right. And I like and we like Zack Snyder, yeah, but like Zack Fast Snyder, Five, but you, know, but you watch Fast Sucker Punch, you don't quite know what you're gonna get. Fast Five, you know exactly what you're gonna get. Exactly. Exactly. Fast Sucker five. Punch is a bunch of. Chicks that weigh 110 pounds kicking the shit out of robots. It's anime. Like it's like anime. Might be Inception for people who are too dumb to understand Inception. Because <laughs> <laughs> isn't it about a girl who's like it's in prison a, and she goes? She goes into her into mind, a dream world. Dream world. And, and she's got to figure it out. Yeah, and she starts fighting like it empowers her. Samurais. Like for going through World War II against zombies. Kind of done with the girls kick ass kind of deal. It, it's yeah. like um, Zack Snyder went on deviant art one day. And just <laughs> that every website? picture became a scenario. <laughs> you seen that website where like people do their own like art jams and like their own thing? You're right. That's very funny. Wow, that that's pretty accurate. Um, but you know what? I've, have I ever said a bad word about Zack Snyder on this show? No, never. And I'm looking forward to his Superman. Uh, you guys know I don't like 300, but I like 300 because I don't like 300 because of pacing issues, not because of directing or anything Ooh, like that. Speaking of Superman, so let's. I didn't like Watchmen because of pacing issues. Really, I, Watchmen I'm okay with. Watchmen, okay. I but, but I can understand slow. total pacing issues. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like 300. Did you read the Did you read the graphic novel? Yes. You, into, you get into comics a lot. Yeah, I grew up on comics, but um, I like <laughs> on comics. <laughs> Escapism. Would you read that's, the, that's the big deal. I was a big Marvel guy growing uh-huh. up. You know, I read some DC. Like, I was into The Flash. I was into Superman, Batman, Batgirl. But I was more Marvel than DC. Mm-hmm. You know, Marvel was my staple. That was my every week. What would you read? Um, I was a big X-Men. All the X-Men titles. Mm-hmm. Uncanny, uh, X-Factor. Because you had Claremont and Byrne back then. Yeah. And, like, that was the X-Men at its height. That was it. You know, that was the X Men we play in X Men Arcade. Do you remember that X Men Arcade game? Yes. Are you on Xbox? No. Xbox Live? I don't. I'm not, but I have PlayStation Three. PlayStation Three. It's on PlayStation Three too. Just this week, they released the old X Men Arcade. Oh yeah. On PlayStation Online and the Xbox. I played through it last night with some people. My buddy Brad Bullock, who's a listener in uh, Louisiana, we played. He chose. He he calls Nightcrawler. I call Colossus. We go out, last night I go to this party for Christmas and uh, I bring my wife with me. And we're talking about X-Men Arcade. And she goes, is that what you were playing earlier tonight? Because that was the most annoying sound. And what sound was it, Geeks gave us? Remember the sound yeah. Colossus would make? Yeah, yeah. That game was awesome. Yeah. And so X-Men was our shit, you know? Yeah, I was big into X-Men. I um, grew up wanting to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So I've read a lot of Spider-Man, you know, back in the McFarlane Spider-Man days. McFarlane mm-hmm. was my favorite when I was growing up. Spider-Man artist. And Spawn. And the one you, did Spawn. you get into Spawn? <coughs> Issue 200. 
this month. That's insane. They, two, it's that book that just keeps going. People stop paying attention to, and it hits 200 issues. Well, when Spawn mm-hmm. first came out, I remember I worked at a comic store when Spawn was starting up, and man, when that that issue, and everybody knows it, when he kills that child molester with like the the yeah. popsicle sticks, yeah, yeah, in the back of his thing, it's like. Let's all clap for the medium of comics because that was awesome. Yeah. You were into Spider Man, you were into X Men, what else? What Daredevil, else? a big Daredevil fan. Like, all know, that Frank Miller stuff in the mid eighties. Yeah. Like when he did that run with uh Chris Claremont when Wolverine yeah. went to Japan Wolverine, and that's the yeah, shit they're gonna do as the movie. Yeah. That that I mean that's probably gonna be the movie that they that, that they're so, gonna make with Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, I hope so, because Wolverine was not good. X-Men we don't even Origins. call it Wolverine here, we call it Origins. We call it all sorts of stuff. We call it Jimmy Logan, the story of a man named Lo- no, Wolverine. No, it was as if is what he does. It would have been a great <laughs> movie if Wolverine made out with Sabretooth because it was a very <laughs> homoerotic, like you know, every scene is Victor is Hugh no, Jackman's like don't yeah. don't kill them. Right, exactly. Like Hugh Jackman is flexing in every scene, and yeah. you know, like if if they were actually lovers, I think it would have made a better film. You're an actor and a, and a filmmaker and all this stuff. What do you want to do with a comic book property? Let's get geeky. Like, what would be your comic book property, man? Power Man. You want to do the Luke Cage, and not Luke, Luke Cage, Cage like like Brian Michael Bendis is doing now, no. and not Tierra Mark, like like Luke Cage, but maybe like Heroes the, for Hire. Luke maybe like, Heroes for Hire, think? Luke Cage. Um, I was. Thought- I know my friend Tracy wants to do um, Heroes for Hire. Tracy Toms, who's actually um, I'm working with doing the sci-fi show that uh-huh. I'm doing. What's that? What's that? Let's t- tell these nerds to see it. Oh, I, I love have you a- nerds, but I call you nerds. We're all nerds. We're geeks. We're all ge- geeks. You geeks. Get it right. Tell the geeks to see it. Um, what is I- this? I'm actually writing and directing and starring in a sci-fi television series called The Nebula, which is um, me, Tracy Toms, Wayne Brady, and LeVar Burton. Well, you and, got LeVar Burton, yeah, right? Yeah, we got we know sci-fi he's a royalty, sci-fi, man. But, sci-fi but Wayne royalty. Brady. Wayne Brady, who is awesome. And he, you know he's awesome because of the Chappelle show segment. He's like, awesome. You know I mean, he's awesome. He's, he's yeah. the best. And you know, Wayne Brady gets a lot of shit, but I don't because know why. Because he has a show and he sings and this and that. And people he's are like, oh, amazing. he's not a man's man. Did you get man. to see him uh, when he did Rent at the Hollywood Bowl? Of course. Dude, he was so good as Collins. He's, he's great at everything. Oh. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's what I think. That's what, that's what you he's gotta get credit. He's great at everything. And just because he doesn't kinda... always want what you want. Well, just because he doesn't always do what you're into. Just because into. we got sick of hoedown does not mean Wayne Brady is not a Genius. Wayne Brady is amazing, so and he's nebula? getting this like you know he gets a bad rap for being kind of likable, but he can fight too. He gets a bad what's rap this for nebula? Being what is the this nebula? nebula? The nebula. All right, the nebula is a show. It, it came out. I executive produced um, a television show for the Here Network. Um, we got seven minutes. Okay. Uh, for the Here Network, and one of my directors, who um, one of the writing directors who wrote on the show that I executive produced. Um, I had written this thing called The Nebula, which was a sci-fi idea about an all-black science fiction show. It was a show about an all-black science fiction show. So it's a show about a show? Yes. And it it is a little bit like Galaxy Quest? It's very Galaxy Quest. Okay. So I gave it to him, and he was like, well, you got to do this thing, because it was was a comedy, and it was about these (laughs) guys who... They created an all-black science fiction web show because television wouldn't put all-black right. people on a science fiction show. Even though we had show. Brothers from Another Planet or whatever it was on right. UPN back in the day. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which was insulting. So they were just like, so they, or uh, that was uh, Homeboys in Outer Homeboys Space. Homeboys in Outer Space. So they were like, well, television will never do it, so we'll go on the web. So it's a show about this guy named James T. Kurt who <laughs> creates a sci-fi show that lives on the web, and the show is about the nebula, which is the, the entity that they're trapped in in space, uh-huh. and making the nebula. 
Okay. Um, so I wrote this show and I shot it. Seth Green came on and did a, and a guest spot on it. He plays um, uh, the emperor of this, what we call the Cream Empire. Like a cream, like yeah, you're white? Like, <laughs> like he's all, he's all, and it's cream. Like right. almost like Korean, but it's cream. Right. But the crux is he's the only guy in the empire and he's constantly threatening people that, oh, my empire is so, my empire will it's keep the shit though. out of your empire. That's he's the only guy. But it's only him. Yeah. Um, so I wrote this and I, and I showed it to Wayne and LeVar and they were like, well, you got to do this as a television show. So we changed it a little bit. It's still a show about a show, but it's more Tropic Thunder Galaxy Quest where these people think that they're on a reality <laughs> show yeah. trapped in a spaceship, but in actuality, they get launched out into space accidentally and have to make first contact with a bunch of different alien races. We got to see When can they see it? We are shopping it right now. Okay. So it's not on a network yet, right. but... Um, LeVar, Wayne, Tracy, and myself, we're it's just... It's going to land. We're it's trying to make land. it land. You know, we pitched to Sci-Fi Network. Um, have you shot it? It's too funny for us. <laughs> no, they haven't said anything they gotta yet. they got to like this, It's going to come back. We're going to go back to them next year, or they're going to come back to us right. next Once year. Once they get their financing yeah, set up. And yeah, we're continuing to shop it, but um, everybody out there in Geek World seems to like the idea. It sounds and, hilarious, man. Um, you know, between Wayne, LeVar, and Tracy, that's $2 million people and waiting for them and me i got like a thousand twitter followers but um (laughs) if you jump onto my twitter i'll be leaking little bits of information what's your twitter of it it's ahmed best ahmed best twitter that's pretty easy um and uh i'll be leaking scenes about it and um we're gonna get a bunch of people to come play like seth green is gonna come back and play we got we We like seth we should try and get seth on the show too through lavar through lavar and through wayne and tracy they know enough people so and they talk about it all the time lavar's got like a million i looked at his twitter i was like are you kidding me and it's good because he does a lot of humanitarian stuff too he's an awesome guy and you know he's really he loves the laforge you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like he loves being laforge some people are like like you talk to will wheaton and he's like i don't want to talk about star trek yeah will wheaton's a cool guy we like what will wheaton he's way into tech he's a he's a big comic guy role-playing guy but he doesn't like the he doesn't accept the star trek me i want to talk to him about like small soldiers yeah or whatever it is toy soldiers when he runs out of there "Ah," and he gets blown away remember that yeah but or stand by me yeah but but um, he doesn't want to talk about that no but you embrace it yeah i love it i love it i mean i grew up with this lavar loves it and LeVar plays my holographic dad on the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Superman and like his father? Like, more son, like, more like if you watch Voyager, how there was the hologram <laughs> yeah, doctor. Yeah, the, the emergency medical. Yeah, emergency medical hologram. Yeah, holographic. But it's, pre- but it's like pregnant, too. Yeah. It's like fought, son, He's like my hologram. Yeah. And he, he always gives me advice that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> that's, that's his crux of the show. I can't wait to see this show. And the Wayne, nebula. Wayne, Wayne plays the ambiguously gay security officer. <laughs> I love that you guys are just having fun with it too. Yeah, it's it's a it's a chance to be silly in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you don't like, get a whole lot. Of, you don't get yeah. you know a lot of. It's been done a bunch of times, but never by American people. Like um, Nick Frost did it with Hyperdrive yeah. on BBC. It's on uh, Netflix streaming. Right yeah, now. and you never get a chance to do it as as African Americans, right? You know, as, no, it's like yeah. you're working within a, uh, a. You know, it's like when Kevin Smith said about in Chasing Amy, he's like, I'm a. I'm a minority within a minority within a minority. Yeah. It's like, we're funny, we're sci-fi, and we're black. It's like, okay, well, each of those right. is a shaving off an audience. Right, and it can't but, help but get everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's so crazy that it's going to work. And, um, you know, people just really, every time I talk about it, it just gets so excited. He's pumped. 
And we get a lot of, we have uh, the guy that I'm writing with, Mike Fazzolo, just won the Emmy for Robot Chicken. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to bring that same sensibility that's on, I do a lot of work with Seth Green and Robot Chicken. And we're bringing that same kind of silliness, that same kind of, of, of craziness, the ability to not take ourselves so seriously yeah. and not take sci-fi so seriously and make it just outlandishly funny. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about, about, about geeks is because like, we, we, we grew up and we take, we're the people who took this stuff seriously. And now we got to a point where now we, we take stuff so seriously that like with the Star Wars thing, we took it so seriously that we can't let go of it. Yeah. And I think that's the the accurate approach to these things, and we know that they were the warm blankets growing up. And I know, you know, growing up we were lonely, and we were we were we were loner dotty, we were loners dotty, we were rebels, and these are the things we embraced. But we yeah. always have to remember to but smile. The, the thing is, like, I we have a lot of these ideas, and mm -hmm. because um, I was a part of the Star Wars universe and grew up a geek, being a geek in the South Bronx is not easy. Right, <laughs> you no, know what I mean. No. Yeah, and, one minute, um, okay. What what I need and what what these projects need are people who love the genre, who love um, what we do, to go out there and tell everybody who gives us funding for these things mm -hmm. that these things are viable. Mm -hmm. Like you want to see these things. Me as a black man pitching a black show, all they see is a black show. They right. don't see that it's a, a sci-fi comedy that we geeks of any color that, would embrace. Exactly, right. and that you have it. it the more people that log on to my Twitter and get it, get the idea out there that they want to see this, the better. The Just more people less that, yeah. right? And then, and and ironically, I get more positive feedback from Jar Jar and from whenever I talk about the Nebula than anything. Well, guys, that's Geekscape. Geekscape.net is where you can find us. It's where we hang our hats. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Search for Geekscape. Also, look at those URLs slash geekscape.net spelled out. You're also going to want to get Ahmed Best on Twitter. Yep. Ahmed, thanks for being on the site. Thanks uh, for having and me. Thanks for being on the show, dude. You've thanks been a great guest. Me. Anytime you want to come by, when Nebula does get picked up, we, we want, want the that. Nebula, man. I'll be back. I'll be back. Thanks a bunch. Peace. Hi, Felicia. Welcome back to Geekscape. Hello. Uh, how have you been? I've been good. I've been busy. We are on episode, we taped 191 this week, and you were on episode 80. I know, that was a really 110 episodes ago. We should fix that at some point. See, I had to. I, I ask after I start well, the yeah, camera. Yeah, exactly. I do the well, shadiest, camera. shadiest yeah. things. It's so shady. Uh, so, how are things going with the guild? I mean, great. You know, we just uh, finished up season four, and cross fingers we get a fifth season. So we'll see. Uh, Microsoft Express had a really good time. Uh, three seasons now, so crossing fingers. And yeah, that's, that's, that's I'm in the middle of writing my comics. So guild, I never, never stop with the guild. So yeah, that's great. Um, so. Joss has the Avengers coming out, but uh, we haven't talked since Dollhouse, since you did Epitaph 1 and 2. Um, we got to compliment you on that. I mean, a lot of, it, it's, uh, especially with Epitaph 1. With Epitaph 2, Season 2 would actually kind of people won some more people over. But with Epitaph 1, everybody was like, wow, this is a really great episode of a show that a lot of people didn't quite get yet. So, I know a couple of people. Wow. Hey, I have no idea. I... But, uh, yeah, it's Trisha Helfer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's Trisha Helfer. She is tall. Yeah, uh, I just noticed are, you're kind of going for a bit of a Poison Ivy look tonight. What? But yeah, you're right, that's what the third person who said that. Oh, jeez, I thought I was being original. Let's repeal that joke. I'm sorry. Well, it was right. It's, it's, I guess it's accurate. My skin isn't green, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could use this next year for Halloween. You could, you could. 
Also, I noticed, now let's set the record straight for fanboys. Are you wearing an Irish, one of those Irish love rings? That's heart going in, so you have a boyfriend. So, um, how are things with the, I mean, what, what have you got planned coming into next year? I know you got the, the new web series, and then you're writing the comic books. Uh, where, where can we find you now? Uh, you just wrapped the... Season the, 4 of the Guild. Yeah, and that's... Catch up, okay. I have it, and I do Eureka, eight episodes of that, that'll be out next year. That's great, we look forward to seeing that. Thank you. So, thanks for uh, stopping by Geekscape. Yeah, good to see you. Hey, Geekscapers, we're here with Jennifer Hale from Mass Effect. Hey, I know many of you played the female uh, Commander Shepard. You were smart, you did. Yeah. Um, so you've been nominated for uh, voice acting female. Uh, so, do you appreciate that people like uh, are noticing the work you you put into a game, especially when it's they could choose not to play your character? Yeah, I, I really appreciate that people are noticing. Both because, as you point out, you know they could choose to be male or female, and I love that they choose to be female. Because wouldn't you rather look at a chick for hours on it than a guy? And also because I feel like I'm being baited into saying I want to look at you for hours, but that's not. <laughs> Because also though, because a lot of us actors who spend most of our time in voice uh, are, are kind of invisible, and it's phenomenal uh, to be able to step out like, and be visible. Yeah. And you also did Naomi Hunter, right? Now, what's it like to be uh, be fridged in a video game? Are you familiar with the fridging? The uh, fridging is um, when a female character is killed simply to move along the plot for a male character. Uh, it came from a Green Lantern comic. That's been our plight as women for a long time, but it's coming to an end. I, I can imagine so. Um, so, have you? There's a trend on the internet that I don't know if you're aware of on YouTube of these love tributes of video game characters. Have you seen any of these? Do you know who's here? Uh, oh, you lightning from. What's that? Basically, what they've gone through and done is cut together all these scenes of like Commander Shepard falling in love with Garrus. That's what I want to point out. This is Allie Hillis, and she plays Liara to Sony. I hear uh, she's one of my love interests in the game. I know, we got to make out. You, you should come back over in a second. I will. Quick birds. Oh my god, all the games are merging. Sorry, I had my. It, it, you're making it so awkward for some people. They're like, "Oh no, what happened? I, I lost my place." Anyway, <laughs> but uh, they, they're the they, they're all cut together, and they're just the scenes of the characters falling in love, set to really cheesy music. Oh my God, that's so funny. I haven't seen that. What I have seen is a couple of things that people cut together called "The Biggest Bitch in the Galaxy." <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it's such a fun character, and you can play it so many different ways. And I can't imagine they. When you went into the studio to record it, did you? They go in and say, "Okay, today we're going to we're going to record all the stuff where you're responding angrily." No, did they? We, we go scene by scene and situation by situation. Oh. And within that situation, I surf the different moments. So you have to go from angry to here. Give the commander Shepard's angry response immediately to the give the commander Shepard's nice response. That you do. That's got to be kind of emotionally exhausting a little bit. Well, you're good at it. Nice. <laughs> well, congratulations on the nomination. If anybody is deserving this year, the amount of work you put into that game, I, you know, recording some lines of dialogue, that's one thing. Recording like that much. Tony Hawk right behind you, and, and that's, 
it's getting whooped from the crowd. I don't know. I'm gonna have to turn around and explain it to them in a second. <laughs> but Thanks but so thank you. I'm Gerard Marino. I'm the composer for the God of War franchise. And I, God of War 3 has been nominated for uh, among several other categories, best original score. And uh, you also uh, conducted the God of War segment at uh, Video Games Live, right? The most recent one at the uh, Nokia Theater, also in uh, San Diego and for Comic-Con, and in Brazil, in Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro. Wow, that's got to be amazing. Now, you, uh, a lot of people Thank you, really, <laughs> a lot of people love the God of War score. I, I know I personally enjoy it, and I don't really, I'm not a big into the game, but I love the score because you, a lot of blending of violence and, and some some nice romance kind of blended in. Uh, what was it like when getting each individual game? Did you approach it differently, or did you start with the score from the first one and kind of work off of that for the other? Well, of course, we, uh, well, the first one was the hardest. And once we got that together, yeah, we kind of started there. But each director had uh, some different ideas as to what to maybe try. And so we've kind of used that as the direction, if you will as to where to start heading and pushing and, and trying out new things. So, I, so you know, I mean, we got a little more flowery and uh, complex with uh, God of War 2, and we kind of went back a little bit more to basics with One Force Trauma and God of War 3. And that kind of, uh, not to, to, to try to say what you were trying to do, but uh, as Kratos kind of delved into what was going on in God of War 2, you find out more about what his deal is. I mean, that's a lot of complexity in the score. And then, I mean, War 3 was much more, he kind of, you know who he is, you know what he's doing. And is that really what you were trying to do with that? Well, I think that's what Stig was trying to do, uh, the director, and he had us do it. And we did it. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your nomination. We, we, we hope you win. All right, thank you. Hi. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing good. That was my way of saying, get, say hi to the camera. I didn't get that. It's slower than usual. Is that, yeah. <laughs> I know your name, they don't. Okay, so Ali, you were lightning in Final Fantasy XIII. I certainly was. Yes, you were. You were all over that. Wow. That's not temporary, is it? Is that, is that real? Okay. <laughs> not going to reveal. I like it. Playing Koi. So, uh, you play... Was she the first uh, main character that was female? It, it, not, I think we did have one other. Was it Seven? Seven was Cloud, or uh, not Cloud. Uh, I feel it was, like there was another cloud. main. Yeah, yeah was there, that's a question for everybody. Wow. We're, was we're, there another main female? Was it? But was there a female that took? Okay. Was there a female that ever actually was a male female lead? Six. There were six. Three, two, but three did she ever? Because the key with lightning is nobody ever saves her, right? Did you yeah. ever have a game where there was a female lead? A You're game? protagonist. Let's use the word protagonist, and I think that's more it. Yeah. I think we're on top of things there. Yeah. So, so I'm really excited. And you also did the voice work uh, for Tierra Lasoni. So Tierra Lasoni. I, yes. I screwed it up. Yeah, did you interview Jennifer Hamm? Yes. She's nominated. Yes. I got to make out with her in the game. Yes, you did. did. In real life, I'd probably make out with her too. She's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Every Sorry, we're all embarrassed now. We're all Flush. Oh, you're showing off a ring there. Oh yeah. Did you get engaged? That I'm actually. <laughs> I'm married. Oh, she's married. <laughs> Hi, Denise Richards. Hi. Hi. Loved you when you played the nuclear physicist. <laughs> Come on. The most, the most unbelievable nuclear physics. Okay, where are we?
Oh, uh, you were telling us more about Mass Effect and, and what you had coming down the line. What, what are you working oh, on now? That's a really good way to trick me into telling you what games are. Really? No, not at all? You're not at all maybe in Arkham or something? I let Tony Hawk walk by me for you. Yeah, he's on your he's on your right. Right there. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, I've been hosting the Power Blocks and you're on Spike TV for the past almost six years. Geekscape. Yeah, we're this just made Facebook. You just made Facebook. <laughs> Oh. oh, we will. I will, totally. It'll be a good time. Actually, actually, well, thanks for stopping by, and we appreciate it. Hey, Tony, how's it going? Uh, it's awesome. It's crazy. Look at this. I mean, this show gets bigger every year. You've been coming to the VGA since coming to the VGAs were cool. Since before I left out the main word. I think it's too I'm not. Yeah, I'm not just a fair-weather friend. I've been here since, uh, since day one. So, um, a, you, a whole generation has come by that... Before it was skateboarders inspiring video games. Now it's video games inspiring skateboarders. Uh, uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean we've come quite a quite a long way, and skating has actually become a genre of video games, and it's it's definitely gotten some people to to start because they get inspired. By now you and Sean White are friends, and uh, you just became rivals this year with his new game. What did you think of it? Uh, I, I haven't played that much, but I think it's cool that we have that we, we have such a big industry that we can have more than one video game about yeah. skateboarding, you know, but, but my game is really a totally different approach. Oh, yeah. You stand on the board, you control your motion, so I don't feel like we're competing necessarily in the same category, um, now, but but he is an awesome skateboarder. He deserves a game. Now, there was a little bit of criticism when the first game came out with the controls, and you guys refined him a little bit. Do you, do you find people responding with uh, Shred? Yeah, the reviews are, are much better this time around, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm really, I, I feel like this is the game that we wanted to make the first time, and now we've, we've really figured out how to utilize that technology and the software integration. So do you think uh, the next one down the line, uh, when we can see that, now it's time to, you've got it figured out, now it's time to up the game and bring some really, uh, yeah, sure. and, blow some, and, blow know, some minds? In addition to add some of the motion sensor technology that's out there now. And now, have you played around with the Kinect at all? Do you, do you have any? Yeah, I, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I've got a Kinect. <laughs> of course. Um, so, uh, well, thanks so much for your time. Okay. Uh, we appreciate it and good, uh, you know, have fun tonight. All right, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> 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 That's great.